the beautiful True Voice Studios NYC at Columbus Circle. We chat a bit, and then we learn and record a song from one of my latest projects, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist is a producer, choreographer, director, educator, and performer. He currently serves as executive director of The Group Theater 2 in Manhattan. Since the group's creation in 2003, he has overseen and produced Mac Award-winning cabaret artist Elisa Schiff in Mama Said, The Songs of Cass Elliot, as well as the New York Tap Company, Generation Tap, who's performed in Tap City, Circle in the Square, and the United Nations. As a director, he led the national tour of Dance Speak, The Life of Agnes DeMille, starring Patricia Connolly. He currently directs and choreographs for Circle in the Square Theater School with credits including Lippa's Wild Party, Urinetown, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, and Tenderloin. As a performer, he went on to appear with the Metropolitan Opera, the Willow Cabin Theater Company, and the New York Theater Ballet. He currently teaches tap and theater dance at Broadway Dance Center and Manhattan. Obviously, I'm talking about Justin Basito. <laughs> Justin Basito, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Got it. That is quite an assortment of a resume. Yes, it's a, it's a hodgepodge Would you, of things. <laughs> I, um, I remember, because you, you've got like four bios on your website. Like it's, it's, it's impressive that you can really split off these four careers and they're all within this one little person. Yeah, well, it, it is. It's, <laughs> I think people sometimes don't know exactly you know, how to categorize me, which I think is sometimes a good thing in this business. I think so, too. Yeah. You wear a lot of hats. Um, which which of them was your first passion? Well, performing. Um, <clears throat> so when I was 10 years old, I, um, I, there was a, an equity theater at a college in my hometown called the Centenary Young Performers Workshop. And this was a really crazy program because we met uh, for 15 Saturdays and we rehearsed five musicals at the same time. And we were in or working backstage on each of those musicals. And then after 15 weeks, we would open them in rep and the shows would run for two weekends. Um, the man who ran that program, his name is Michael Blevins, and he was a Broadway performer uh, who, who drove in from New York City or took the bus and ran this program with about 80 children from ages 8 to 18. And that's how I learned theater. And then <clears throat> probably around um, like age 13, I really got serious about being a performer, and I wanted to actually start working professionally before I graduated from school. So I, uh, I forced my mother to drive me into New York and audition for things, and I, I got an agent as a kid, and I, uh, one of my first jobs was Oliver at Paper Mill Playhouse with George ah, C. Scott. That's awesome. I mean, George C. Scott, um, George S. Irving, and uh, worked with Robert Johansson, and that was eye-opening experience. I finally getting to work with professional actors of with some amazing credentials. Um, Aileen Quinn was in the show. She was the, the gal who played Annie in the first movie version. 
And that was really fun because you got to see somebody who had a career and is now a young adult. She was, I think, like 19 at that time and was still working. So it kind of gave me hope that I wouldn't just be a child actor, that if I played my cards right, I could actually make a sustaining career for the rest of my life from <laughs> this, which was uh, what everyone told me you can't do. Uh, and usually when people tell me to that I can't do something, I go out and try to do it. I, I had a feeling... <laughs> given, given your bio. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first passion was performing. And I, I came to I came to New York City right after graduating from high school. I went to Circle in the Square Theater School. Mm-hmm. I went there for two years and uh, then got out of there and just started working. And then the other things kind of came out of that. I had already been teaching a little bit. I actually used to drive to um, I used to drive to um, people's houses when I lived in New Jersey and I would teach private tap lessons to make money to move to New York. And I would teach them in the basements. I would teach them on the front porches. I would teach them in their garages. I mean, it was tap to go, tap to go. Literally, I bought a car for like 900 bucks. And I was like, this car is going to make me my fortune to get to New York City. And I drove to uh, to I had probably like you know five or six students a week, and it was Michael Blevins who told me to do that. He said you should you should just teach privately and just drive around That's <laughs> New Jersey. Yeah. So you've got all these other tricks up your sleeves. Um, how how much of producing and directing and choreograph? How much of that came just out of necessity? Mm. Did any of it? Yeah. Well, I was I was wanting to find a job that could make the money to pay the rent. Um, And so I started working up in uh, Rockland County, and I was working for a lot of youth theaters up there. Uh, Helen Hayes Youth Theater was one of them, um, another place called Clarkstown Summer Theater Festival. And I was just getting jobs as a choreographer. And it was my it was really my training ground because working with children and working in youth theater and the limitations that come with that Mm. really made me understand what it means to be a creative artist on the other side of the table and really think out of the box. And I got to work with some really great people up there because in that area, um, there are a lot of performers from New York who end up moving up there. So I got to meet some really great people not being in Manhattan. (laughs) And that's when I started to uh, just that natural, as you said, sort of that natural progression of, oh, I can make money doing this. I should do more of this. And then from being a choreographer I started getting jobs here in New York, started building my resume. You know, you do the fringe festivals and you do the nymphs and you do all that stuff and you just meet people. You just start meeting other directors who like to work with you. And then um, I started really learning about what not to do as a director and what to do just by watching other people. Sure. You know, and just like bouncing ideas off of other people and, and, and seeing what works and what doesn't. And that's when I decided... I want to. I want to try this. I'm really afraid of this, and you know, I'm I'm somebody yeah, who really yeah about, about being being scared is the best thing, you know, because it, it just forces you to to react and 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 do more than you would do if you were just being passive and and sort of content in where mm-hmm. you are, and so then the directing uh, just was again, and I I also wanted a lot of control. I felt like a lot of times when things weren't working, they always blamed the choreographer, and I would prefer. <laughs> To be the director choreographer and be blamed for it, you know, um, I could blame myself rather than someone else blaming me. Um, and again, that was just learning learning about what works and what doesn't. And uh, so I really, really liked directing because it was so col- uh, collaborative and working with designers was such a passion for me. I really loved speaking with designers and, and learning from them and talking to them and 
And then the producing thing came out of I wanted to start a tap company called Generation Tap with with Michael Blevins, Mm -hmm. my business partner. And we we did that for about six months to a year. And then we thought, well, why don't we just do a whole theater company? We're doing this much work. Why not just open it up to more people that we know? I feel like so few people would have the impulse. Like, you know what? More work. (laughs) More work. Well, we were, and at that time too, and I'm sure Michael would agree with me, we, we had a lot of time on our hands to do these things, to, to write grants, to, to, to come up with projects, to figure out how we're going to bring 15 performers down to Tennessee and do a show. Like, we, that was always very exciting to us. And um, the group theater, the original group theater of the 30s, was something that we had both been studying for a while. Michael actually studied with Harold Clerman for a very brief time um, at NYU. And so we decided, why don't we sort of use their uh, structure as a guide? when yeah. creating our theater company. And so, no, we didn't have a, a, a an estate to go up to and, and bring all our performers up there, which they did. But we thought, well, we could do other things like workshop shows in Vermont, in Tennessee, in New Jersey. We had a lot of connections. And, um, and we also sort of aligned ourselves with certain people like Cheetah Rivera and Nicole Fossey and John Kander. And they helped guide us in many ways, of um, even as simple as <clears throat> bouncing an idea off of them or just having their name on our board that really helped that, too. I would imagine that just yeah. legitimized us yeah, your when we didn't. Board is really impressive. Yeah, well, and it was something that we thought we needed to have in place because we didn't really hadn't done anything yet, you know. So at least people would take us a little more seriously. Yeah. And I was young. I mean, this was this was ten years ago. So I, I mean, I was in my early twenties, and I think people were kind of like, "Who who are you? You know, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. who do you think you are?" So it helped. It, it definitely. It definitely helped, but it was it was a natural progression with the directing, but with producing, it was not natural at all. It was definitely put on and forced. Unnatural. Unnatural, definitely. <laughs> well, who are your influences? Wow, that's a that's it's a big a, question. It is a big question. I think my influences are anybody who loves what they do, you know. And 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 in in my time being here, and being a performer, which is and an artist, which has been about a little over 20 years now if you take into account when I was a child actor <clears throat> the people who really influenced me and inspired me were those who would work through the night you know and those who would put in the extra hours and not complain about it <clears throat> the people who really when you looked at them and you talked about theater you saw in their eyes that even though they might be a little bitter and jaded through a lot of process and rejection there was nothing that was going to stop them from doing what they love to do and I think that there are certain people who specifically who uh, did that for me, and that was definitely Michael Blevins. Uh-huh. He was the first one. And then um, I worked with Theodore Mann for many years at Circle in the Square, and he was a bear. I mean, he was a real bear to work with and, and, and could be very difficult at times and, and say things that would really shock you because um, he was old school. But he had created that theater company, and you know it went from being this small little round theater down at Sheridan Square to this huge Broadway house. Mm-hmm. And though they don't produce anything anymore um, with between the theater school and the shows that are in there, the legacy will always live on. And uh, up to the day that Ted died and I was working with him on a project when he passed away, um, 
he was just always there. You know, he was always at the theater, always wanted to be creating something, even if it was in children's theater. He was so passionate about it. And here's the man who, this is the man who, like, revitalized Williams and O'Neill and these amazing playwrights because he loved them so much mm. and, and had the wherewithal and the smarts to, to figure out how to do that. So Ted definitely was an influence for me. And um, so I would say that Michael and, and, and Ted Mann were the two big ones for me. That's great. Yeah. Uh, when I emailed you asking you what kind of music turned you on and, and, and things like that, and I think you said that you loved like Cole, per- Cole Porter, uh, Irving Berlin, yeah. you know, um, and so as I was doing some YouTube stalking of you in preparation for this interview, I I couldn't help notice that a lot of your work, and correct me if I'm wrong, there there seems there's, there's a real a real sense of humor in, in a lot of your work that's just really, really fresh. And um, but your work also feels like it's from another time in a mm-hmm. way, you know, and it's just like that classy, classic thing. And I would just uh, would you agree that those are? Oh, well, I, I appreciate I'm so thankful that you're saying that right now, because, <laughs> you know, you do try you do you do strive for a certain response to your work, you know, yeah. and you would never know if it's <laughs> going to be like, and you know this from, from being a, a, an, art, an artist and a creator yourself, you know, it's, it's, it's your baby. Mm-hmm. And then you have to sort of like throw your baby out into a, a room of needles, you know, and nails and ah, you know, and um, it was, <clears throat> we were talking about Red, mm-hmm. the play Red that I had done last year. And, and I think Rothko felt that way all the time about his work, you know, it drove him nuts. But definitely humor. I, I love humor. We, we, we need it. We need humor. And one thing I will say, and, and I, I hope that Stephanie Sign-Wilson hears this. Um, she's somebody I, – I met, I met Stephanie Sign um, at Manhattan Movement and Arts Center. And her and her husband, Matt Wilson, are, are – uh, well, they do a lot of things, but they are clowns. They yeah. And, um, and, and Stephanie kind of helped remind me about – bringing humor into things and I will definitely give her that um, because she she always will will try to find the funny side of, of any situation and so when I started working on certain uh, dance pieces um, that always was in the back of my mind and also um, Michael Blevins always brought humor into his choreography and I always thought that was so great that they were able to actually make people laugh just with movement mm-hmm. that always seems challenging to other choreographers to do and so it definitely is something that I really love and and like you said the the, the classy side of it I, I love this idea of taking something like vaudeville and finding a way to bring it into this contemporary era and having young people teenagers see it and they can relate to it and not even realize that it's a hundred years old yep. um, so anything that I can do that that does that, is really exciting to me. I'm also very interested in um, in musical instruments and put, bringing them into work. You know, obviously with shows like um, like the revivals of Sweeney and Company, and we see this in Once as well. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a popular trend. I want to make my tap dancers do it while they tap dance. So that was a number that we had it's done. It's crazy at the choreographer. Yeah, that was a number that we had put together, and Stephanie was involved with that, and I, yeah. I, I tried to get every tap dancer to play one instrument, whether it was a harmonica or um, a, a tambourine or a guitar or a banjo or a ukulele. We try to incorporate all of that just because it's different. Like you said, it's just yeah. something a little different. And, and it's also really exciting. You understand that concept of jamming and yep. kind of playing and mm-hmm. jamming and yeah, things come from today. that. We did some jamming today. It 
it's the same thing with the way that I work. I bring people into a room. I open up a trunk. I throw some hats and canes and musical instruments out there, and I say, let's just play around, see what happens. At some point, the cook has to come in and finish the meal, but yeah. it, it's that that's that's exciting, and there needs to be more of that here. You in encourage playing with the ingredients, and that's right. That's yeah, great. it's fun. So, but I appreciate you saying that. I do really try to bring a, 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 a classy sense of humor to all the things that I do. That's great. I think that's a unique combination. Uh, group theater two just turned ten. Am I right? Yes. Ten years old. <laughs> that yes has some <laughs> has has some age and some wisdom behind it. Um, what what have these ten years taught you? That it, there's change is the most constant thing in life. You know, and 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 everyone's um, you know everyone's goals and and everyone's. Uh, Roads will sometimes shift and change, you know, and, and people um, go in different directions. You know, we've had a lot a lot of our founding company members have gone off to have kids and have lives and families, you know, and they're not even here in New York anymore. So it, 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 there's been a lot of um, turnover with our group. But it's always felt like a family. Most of the most of the company members that are in group theater two are from that original Centenary Young Performers Workshop, huh. which so it, it kind of feels like an adult version of that program. Um, and and with Michael Blevins also at the head of this theater company, I think that there is this feeling of community and 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 fellowship. There's a lot of uh, there there's a lot of yeah, just feeling like you're you're part of a family. What it has taught me is that it's really expensive to produce theater here in New York City, <laughs> and you have to think out of the box. You have to think out of the box. You have to think of every stupid idea that you possibly could make work and then try it. And if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. And we've had, you know, fortunately with our company, we really haven't ever lost a lot of money on anything. We've definitely not made a lot of money on everything either. But there are certain things that work, you know, like the, you, you mentioning the choreographer's canvas. That's that's an event that has really worked because it, it pulls in a lot of outside people and that allows for a broader audience. And, and, you know, a lot of times we don't, you know, our audience is smaller just because we all know each other. We all know the same people. Um, I think the other thing is about letting go of control I am a I'm a I'm a big culprit of being a control freak, and I think no with they, all these titles, <laughs> right, all these these, right. these leader titles, it's yeah. crazy. And I and, and and it's and and it's great because you you feel very empowered by that. But I, I also think that the people around you they need some freedom, you know, and and they they need to feel like you trust them, and that you you know that you can't micromanage everything, and that's been a hard thing for me. I'll be I'll be honest. To micromanaging and, and sort of taking on more than even I think I can chew, which is a lot. It's a lot, I have you know. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I, that definitely, and I think as I get older, just being able to let go of the need to control and just trusting the artists that you you play with because you trust them on stage, mm -hmm. so you have to trust them off stage, and and that's that's a big thing that I've learned. That's a good lesson, and it's um, and how important. It is that everyone feels like their time is worth a million dollars. And even if they're not getting paid for it, that you want them to feel like if you had a million dollars, you would give it to them at that moment yeah. because they are so valuable to you and what you're doing and just how thankful you are for them. I love that. 
Speaking of, as, as a good lead into, um, so you guys have members. You have friendly right. members. Mm-hmm. Um, how how does one become a member? Yeah. Usually through working with us in some way. Um, in the very beginning, we handpicked people just to get a core company together. In the last year, I think, or in the last three years, we've inducted probably about four um, four people a year. And it really does come from uh, two things. One, we have, a, we have a lot of young people. So sometimes we want to bring people into the group, but we don't feel like they're ready yet. They might still be in college. or So sometimes we wait. Um, one of the rules we used to have, which really wasn't a rule, it was just something we kind of use as a guide, is they needed to go to college for a year and just, mm-hmm. like, get that experience, get training outside of us so that huh. they could come with something too, you know, yeah, come yeah, back yeah. with a new maybe perspective. So that was one thing that we use as a guide. And then um, if they had worked on maybe um, more than two or three projects with our company and they could be – in any capacity, whether it was a stage manager position or a performer position, or even just helping us with marketing. You know, we have a lot of different artists. It's not just performers. We have a lot of, we have people who, you know, who write, we have people who are interested in more of the other side of the table, the technical side. Um, So it it definitely is on a sort of per performer, per artist basis. And, and, um, it's all. It's always the people who bring the most to the table. That those are the company members that we want. And the and 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 now, especially with ten years going by, and I'm I'm starting to take a little bit of a shift and move away from my leadership position to let go of control. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm looking for company members to step up and sort of take over that position yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. sort of uh, work with Michael Blevins on a new wave for the company. So that's something else I'm looking for in company members, people who might be able to step into a, a harder leadership position. It's really exciting. Uh, how many members are there? I think that there are um, sustaining members. So those are members who are not really working with us anymore, but we're part of it. I'd say there's probably about uh, 10 to 12. And then core company members, there's probably about 25 Wow. Yeah, yeah, and of all ages and Those ranges, and yeah, yeah. So, so of of all speaking of all ages, you keep giving me these wonderful segues. Um, the uh, <laughs> the the group theater two's site talks a lot about generational art and collaboration and the ensemble approach. Yeah. Um, talk to me about why those are important important points to hit, especially yeah. like the the generational stuff. Well, I think for me theater really 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 saved my life i mean i know that i know that that seems like a cliche thing to say but um when i was growing up i definitely found myself in some situations that i shouldn't have been in and um i also was growing up in a very small rural area of new jersey and i i would never have been exposed to theater if if michael blevins hadn't come and and run that program at centenary and i know that that program did well and is still doing well because of michael and his insight and experience from being in new york and working with you know donald o'connor and bob fossey and all these amazing artists he brought this professionalism and 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 perspective and outlook on theater that just was nothing you would never nothing you would ever have gotten from 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 anything else from anywhere else so with the generational 
training and the generational theater that we do, it's really about trying to expose as many um, groups of people and patrons as possible. So sometimes, you know, we, we'll choose some of our things based on that. You know, we, we did it. We did in the very beginning, we did a production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and we were trying to take that and tour with that show. <clears throat> that was something that we just thought would, yes, of course, make money, but also expose young people to a professional Broadway production um, rather than just like going in there and doing like Mother Goose's Nursery Rhymes, the musical. We wanted to right. make it a little, yeah. you know, just more professional and, and, and legitimate. Um so that's a big thing for me. And I really, I enjoy working with um, just people who are older and wiser than me. You know, it's just, <laughs> I, I just learn. It's it's kind of like what Jerome Robbins said, just surround yourself with people who are smarter and more talented than you and you'll do great. You know, and <laughs> so I, I definitely agree with that. I, I agree with that. I think that y- you have to. And, and, and just to be able to be a fly on the wall sometimes and watch other people and what they do. And even if they're doing things that you wouldn't do, you learn from that. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet you're also an educator yourself. You're yes. teaching you, – you teach everyone and everywhere. Um, I wrote down the, the old axiom of practice what you preach. And, and yet you're somehow doing both at the same time. Like do, do, you, do you feel you, yourself blurring that line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody, a good friend of mine um, used to say a lot, you know, those who can't do, teach. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Right? And it, so it became uh, it became also uh, wanting to strip that uh, sort of generalization, you know, of, of a teacher. <clears throat> and one thing that um, Michael used to say to me is, yeah, go go perform and, and tell, tell the studios that you work that you can't teach for a month or two because that's going to make you just just more uh, appealing to them you know you're out working professionally with people like Nicole Fossey and, and all these and all these artists they're going to just want more of you um, so that was something that I think just kind of got ingrained in, into my mind of just yeah make sure you're still going out and doing that side of it so that you can come back with new um, ways of teaching and new elements of teaching new material um, so th- there, there's a blurred line. Um, I really like teaching because w- one thing that I like about teaching is I don't need a lot of prep time for my classes. I and I really and and it's uh, it's not a, it's not an egotist thing to say, but it's from learning from Michael and the way that he taught. He just had a way of getting into the room and looking at a whole new group of of, of dancers and just being able to teach to the medium. Mm. And and that I teach a lot of advanced beginner classes at Broadway Dance Center. So that's what you have to do. You have to find like who is the middle student and teach to them, and then challenge the other ones when you can. Yeah. Um. So so that's one reason I like teaching maybe that's a lazy thing to say but um but it also is uh very inspiring to me to watch somebody get it and it just always brings you back to that first moment when you did and it keeps your love for what you do always present ever present because you are seeing other people have that same moment every time you teach and it reminds you of how important it is to you to keep that alive what's coming up Next down your your pike, Justin Basito. <laughs> Something classy with comedy. Hey, great! <laughs> great. Um, I I have a couple. I have just a few projects that I'm working on, but I they're very no small. Doubt. Yeah, well, right. No, well, still. Well, so. one thing that I'm working on is with a, a friend um, who just became a company member this last year. His name is Isaac Daly, and um, he's working 
um, with a new composer on a, a show called Mixtape. It's going to be a concert version of that show. It's at um, 54 Below. That's great. And so uh, he's asked the group Theater 2 to come in and help produce that. And so I'm going to be working um, on that with him. I'm going to be also directing that. So that'll be fun. Terrific. And then um, Kimberly Vaughn and I, uh, who, who's a great vocal coach, interpretive coach here in New York, um, who knows Sherry Sanders very well. Mm-hmm. I know that she was on your show last week. Um, uh, we do this project called the Broadway Performance Project. It's a training program for young people. And that's also through the group theater, too. And then um, I have a show. I have a show that I've always been wanting to put together. and, and Put it out there. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of elements of vaudeville. And I want to work with... Um, with all the artists from the group theater too, and and and, and involve um, many elements that we talked about today: musical instruments, um, working with Stephanie and Matt with some comedy stuff, um, also incorporating aerial dance, which is something Stephanie does. Um, a lot of tap. Tap is what we do the best. I feel like our company. We're mm-hmm. really all very strong tap dancers. That's from Michael Blevins. <laughs> um, so I want. There's going to be a lot of tap elements to it. I want to work with some new composers, uh, FYI, um, on bringing in some possible music to use in the show. I want it Sweet. to be new music, uh, maybe taking some public domain music and, and using that as well and, and rearranging that. Um, so it's going to feel a little like, um, like a variety a variety show. I saw Traces a few years back. I think anything that Seven Fingers does, um, who is the, the Gypsy Snyder is the artistic director and has worked on Pippin. They do amazing work. I love that kind of work. I love environmental theater. I think that it's the new wave of theater. Um, so I want to make something that that feels very uh, interactive and um, also, as you said, sort of brought, brings back this classic style but makes it um, reachable to a new audience. So that is my idea. I have no idea what it's going to be yet, but it's it's in my mind, and it's going to be the the process of putting it together will be very much as as we talked about before, sort of starting off with some jam sessions and playing around with That's ideas, awesome. and then and then put them together. You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, man, I I so enjoy getting to sing your your music Thank today, you. and uh, I just I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was awesome. Which, once again, another perfect segue. I'm going to set up this song. Awesome. Uh, so, Justin Basito was so kind enough to sing a song of mine called Overly Oofy from my musical McKenzie and the Missing Boy. And, um, yeah, I, I guess, let me tell you, dr- dramatically, uh, the piece the piece is sung by um, McKenzie's other half, uh, I won't say better half, Frank, who um, they've... They have figured out a way to get a lot of money very quickly. Uh, it just means doing something really bad. And um, Frank is all about it and uses this song to get Vince McKenzie to get on board and, um, and follow, follow through with this uh, with this con. And um, yeah, it was it was such a, a blast today. I haven't I've I've heard the song done a couple of times and I've played with different keys and there's been a lot of rewrites I've, I've rewritten this song more times than I care to admit and so uh, when when you told me you're like oh Irving Berlin Cole Porter you know and, and I knew your sensibility already and I was like yes I hoped he would say that and so um, so I got to throw this song together one more time and yeah. um, it was such a pleasure the lovely Gillian Berkowitz oh, uh, she was great accompanied us today and um, yeah and we uh, because Justin Basito can and was so generous to 
Uh, there is a tap break. There is, in yeah. The of this. That was fun getting to getting to just kind of come up with something. Um, yeah, talk about how how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's just like how any uh, any musician, you know, can kind of get into a room with a bunch of other musicians and and just start to play and and uh, fill in those gaps. I think that um, for us today, you know, it, though we, we did a couple of takes and they always were a little different, <laughs> um, it, it's about, it's fun because it's really about being one with another musician. <clears throat> and tap really can become the, the percussion. It can be the, 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 the base behind everything mm-hmm. or underneath everything. And then also be, you know, that standout piece as well. Um, so today was fun just because we, we just played around with some ideas and we, mm-hmm. we talked about some possibilities and then we just did it and you get into that pocket and you just, you just go and, and, and really work together with the other, um, with the other musician. And, and I, I felt like we had such a great time doing it today. It, it looked like it. And you guys just, it was so fun to watch you two feed off of each other and to play. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of play that happened today. And I totally. was, I was, I was humbled to watch it and to to give you guys the groundwork to do your playing, that was well. It was pr- it was pretty show. easy with a great song like the one that you wrote. So, well, <laughs> thank you. Seriously, <laughs> it is. It's and it's a challenging song too. I, I um, it is chromatic. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A challenging song. So great for me to get to do that. I, I haven't really been able to to do that in a while, and um, it's it's frightening. You sound great on it. You sound great. On thank it. you. Well, it's uh, frightening and scary, and and I uh, like I said earlier, those are the things that you need to do in your life are the things that are scary so absolutely <laughs> well remember if you uh, like Overly Uffy it's available for free download on my SoundCloud page that is until the next episode goes up and if you'd like to request sheet music you may write me at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free PDF uh, make sure you download Something New Volume 1 for free on noisetrade.com tips will be donated to the Human Rights Campaign uh, follow me on all things social media, and you may find all of those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. And while you're there, feel free to click on either the Cafe Press or Donate links on the podcast page. Any and all contributions go toward production costs and are supremely appreciated. Um, make sure you visit my guests' uh, websites, justinbesito.net and uh, grouptheater2.org. And that's T-O-O. That's right. Not TWO. Subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Tell your friends all about it. Uh, Special thanks to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, Red Scandal Graphics, today's accompanist, Gillian Berkowitz, uh, True Voice Studios NYC. Uh, For more info on them, uh, they are truevoicestudiosnyc.com, 212-245-2441. It's perfect here for voice lessons, group classes, coachings, recordings. Great studio, yeah. really great. Really beautiful. And, um, just a beautiful location as well. Great staff. Uh, and last but not least, Justin Basito, thank you for, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for I, having me. I had a blast. Uh, from True Voice Studios NYC at Columbus Circle, this is Joel B. New. And Justin Basito. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Gonna be overly uffy. 
Spending money like a nobleman spends Overly a fee Throwing parties for all our society friends I'll bring my blokes from the top You'll bring girls that you met at the show The quality bashes will throw Oh, overly uffy Though I see the plan is making you grow Overly uffy Who needs follies? I'll build you a show of your own Is that not just what you want? Stick with me and we'll seek out new heights I'll say that your name's up in lies <laughs> Farewell to square one We're reaching for something bigger Our dreams never fed us Ate in a bed us Wake up fast Fates loaded the gun You only to pull the trigger And all the days of being discarded Downhearted, outsmarted, outclassed You're gonna be laughing Last I adore you You will thank me after all said and done I want this for you For our family, our future, our daughter, our son Picture our boy playing cricket Picture our little girl with her porcelain doll We'd be overly uffy Oh, so overly uffy And thanks to you gonna have it all.